0: In the rising of the sun and its going down, we remember them.
1: In the blowing of the wind and in the chilly chill of winter, we remember them.
0: In the opening of buds and in the rebirth of spring, we remember them.
1: In the blueness of the sky and in the warmth of summer, we remember them. In the rustling of leaves
0: and in the beauty of autumn, we remember them.
1: In the beginning of the year, And when it ends, we remember them. When we
0: are weary and in need of strength, we remember them.
1: When we are lost and sick at heart, we remember them.
0: When we have joys we yearn to share, we remember them.
1: So long as we live, they too shall live, for they are now a part of us as we remember
2: them. This story really spoke to me
3: because my grandmother was my very best friend, too, just like this little girl in the story. This is Ghost Wings by Barbara Josie. There's a place in the Mexican forest where monarch butterflies go in the autumn. Millions arrive to rest in the oyomil fir trees, sip from the nectar and plants, and sun their wings in the sun. In the spring, they begin their journey north. This place is called the Magic Circle. I remember the day the butterflies left. They were the color of the sun setting in the mountains. They filled the trees with gold, so many that they made the bows bend. When they flew away, their wings rustled like skirts. That was the day my grandmother died. Grandmother was my best friend. When we made tortillas, we sang our favorite songs. Grandmother worked the dough on a big matate, pushing and mashing until it didn't have any lumps. I had a little matate right next to hers. And when the tortillas were ready, we cooked them side by side. At night, mama tucked me into bed. But I heard monsters slither on the floor. They snapped their teeth and hissed my name. I pulled the covers up to my chin, but still the monster slithered and snapped. I cried out to Papa, and he said, You must be brave. I called to Mama. She said, Nonsense! There are no monsters. But Grandmother, she leaned her broom against my bed and laid beside me, smelling of cornmeal and roses. If the monsters dare to come, she said, I'll chase them away with my broom. With Grandmother next to me, no monsters snapped their teeth, and none of them hissed my name. In winter, Grandmother and I love to visit the magic circle. We sat on the forest floor and let the butterflies cover us with gold. We let them fan their wings on our shoulders and tickle our arms with their little legs. When spring, grandmother became thin as smoke. She didn't make tortillas. She was too tired. She said it's almost time for the butterflies to leave. Come with me to the magic circle and we'll say goodbye. It was a cloudy day and the butterflies clung to the trees. Their wings were closed and they were still as stone. One butterfly lay on the forest floor and I picked him up and blew warm breath on him. He shook his wings and flew away. Close your eyes, grandmother said. Do you still feel the butterfly? I nodded. My arms tickled. That's because they carry the souls of the old ones, and the old ones never really leave. Then the sun came out, and the butterflies rose in a whoosh. They filled the sky with gold, and in a few weeks, all the butterflies were gone. The magic circle was empty. That was the day grandmother died. Papa took me to the magic circle and we cried together. He said, when you love someone, they never really leave. But the butterflies were gone. He said the butterflies would come back, that they always came back. But my arm didn't feel the tickle anymore. That night, the monsters crouched beneath my bed and hissed my name, and I trembled in my bed alone. I wanted grandmother. I leaned the broom against my bed and pressed my nose into her pillow. At first, I could smell cornmeal and roses, but after a while, even the smell was gone. There was no one between me and the monsters. The time of the roses passed and became the time of the marigolds. This was the season for days of the dead. The time to remember the old ones. At the market, we bought candles and pan de los muertos with sugar bones on top. Mama chose a bag of oranges. And when I smelled them, they made my nose prickle. I bought a little skull made of chocolate and sugar. After lunch, Papa set up an ofrenda. On it, Mama put candles, oranges, and Grandmother's picture. I leaned her broom against the altar and spread rose petals
2: and cornmeal on top. (laughs) When the day was almost gone, the light became thin as smoke.
3: Mama lit the candles, and their flames shook the shadows from the room. Papa said, I remember grandmother. Mama said, I remember that she taught me to cook. I tried to remember grandmother, too, but she seemed far away. All night, the candles flickered. I smelled roses and cornmeal as I went to sleep. In the morning, we walked to the cemetery. All the neighbors were there. We cleaned up the graves of old ones. I spread flowers over my grandmother's grave and ate my chocolate and sugar skull. The neighbors filled the cemetery with picnic baskets and flowers, stories and noise. One man sang grandmother's favorite songs. There was a tiny flicker in the sky. Do you know what it was? It's a butterfly. And soon the tombs and crosses were covered in flickering gold. And one of those butterflies landed on my arm. Mm. I said, I remember that grandmother was brave. She chased monsters with her broom. I remember how she smelled like cornmeal and roses. She sang songs and made tortillas, and when she took me to the magic circle, it was really full of magic. The butterfly shook its wings and flew away. I closed my eyes. I could still feel the tickle. In my head, I heard grandmother's songs. I smelled roses and cornmeal. Now I remembered grandmother and now we're going to invite you to remember your loved ones and ancestors
1: yeah so each year we put together a table and we invite people to bring uh, pictures and mementos and it's okay if you didn't bring something you can also sprinkle a little cornmeal or something and just also just acknowledge uh the pictures you do see on the um on the altar today Um, So in a moment, we'll have some music playing and I encourage you to come forward, Uh, we'll light some candles and feel free to place any uh, mementos that you may have brought here today. Let us begin.
2: I'm
0: not really a believer in ghosts, as one thinks of them both in the entertainment industry or even perhaps in most people's personal lives. However, having lost a lot of important people over the years, starting at the early and difficult to process age of eight, I am now well aware of how those people whom I have lost have come to influence me and make me more self-aware. Of course, my mother's sudden death when I was eight could be considered the biggest loss of my life. And although more than 50 years have passed, I think of her and wonder about her more now than ever. It's so interesting to me I know it has something to do with my own aging, my siblings aging, and potential vulnerability and my children's lives. She first became a big presence to me when I had my own children. I don't have very vivid memories of my mother, but I have heard many stories from my older siblings and my older relatives who were all very fond of her and devastated by her death at a young age. And honestly, despite her early disappearance from my life, I feel pretty good about our relationship. Whether her presence is a ghost or just fond memories or even just recognition from looking at old pictures, I feel good about being her daughter and passing on some of her to my own children. What the death of my mother and father, my aunts and uncles, and unfortunately some friends has given me is often the opportunity to to reflect on their lives and how they have positively affected mine. I don't think of them as ghosts, but I recall certain conversations, feelings, and moments in time with them as individuals that feel very powerful. I feel that those of us left behind by the ones we love are to be reminded every time we think of them that our influence, our lives have meaning and we can make choices. My people, whom I just miss dearly, were just people, yet their intelligence, kindness, humor, and compassion are what I remember most about them all. I'm well aware that we tend to romanticize the dead, and my feeling about that is, so what? If what we remember fondly about someone who has gone and is hyperbole, that seems okay to me. We can all use a bit more positivity, I think. I feel very clear that life is short, even if more people are living into their 90s and 80 is the new 70, et cetera. So the question is always for me, how to make the most of this short life? How do I nurture and grow relationships, especially with the people I love, so that when our lives do diverge or one of us dies, we will continue to have fond and loving memories of each other to hold on to? I think the answer is clear. I intend to stay connected, demonstrate my love. I won't just let go of people I care about whose lives have changed or whom I don't see much anymore because it's easier. There's really no excuse these days for lack of connection. There are plenty of ways to stay falsely and superficially connected. So for me, the effort is to try as best I can to stay connected on a deeper level. A note, a letter, a card, a phone call, or even better, an actual visit can do wonders. If I don't hear back, then I know at least they know I'm thinking of them. Staying connected here is very important to me, but I do sometimes hope when someone is leaving or has left, that I can count on seeing them again. Maybe, maybe not, right? Hard to know. It does sound
2: awesome, though, doesn't it? We remember James Alexander Tom.
4: I enjoy a good historical novel, especially one that is well-researched. One of my favorite stories about American colonial history is Follow the River, the survival saga of Mary Draper Ingalls, who escaped from Shawnee captivity in Kentucky by walking 400 miles across the Appalachian Mountains in 42 days to reach her home in Virginia. The best-selling author of this and 11 other wonderful historical novels is James Alexander Tom, a highly regarded Hoosier. He graduated from Butler University in 1961 with a BA in journalism after serving in the United States Marine Corps. In addition to researching his novels, he taught at Indiana University Uh, and was a contributor to the Saturday Evening Post. He married Dark Rain, a member of the Shawnee Nation United Remnant Band. They lived in a log cabin he built near Bloomington. James Alexander Tom died on January 30th this year at the age of
2: 89. We remember Tina Turner.
0: Tina Turner first made an impression on me as a seventh grader riding the bus to school. We, we would hear Ike and Tina Turner singing Proud Mary almost every day and sing along. I've liked her voice and style ever since. As an adult, I learned about her escape from a seriously abusive husband and her incredible journey to become a powerful singer-songwriter and performer on her own. Tina is truly a legend, but both because of that journey, but also because of her unique voice and style. Tina Turner, born Anna May Bullock, was born November 26, 1939, in Brownsville, Tennessee, and died this year on May 24th at her home in Switzerland. She was 83. Tina's singing career started when she joined Ike Turner's band in the 1950s. Although they had several successes, over time, their relationship deteriorated due to Ike's drug abuse and physical abuse of Tina, then his wife. After their divorce, Tina launched her incredible comeback in the early 80s on her own. In 1987, she embarked on the Break Every Rule World Tour, and it became the top-grossing female tour of the 1980s. Turner also acted in several films during this time, including Tommy and Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, also contributing music to the films. Turner sold over 100 million records, received 12 Grammy Awards, a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award, and three Grammy Hall of Fame inductions. She was the first Black artist and woman to be on the cover of Rolling Stone. In 2009, after a 50th anniversary tour and the release of a Greatest Hits album, Tina retired from performing. In her later years, she moved to Switzerland. She stayed active in music, but did not perform publicly. She died quietly at home last May. Rock on, Tina.
2: We remember Anne Perry. I
5: have spent many happy hours reading the mystery novels of Anne Perry, who died April 10th at age 84, following a stroke. She wrote over 100 novels. I am most familiar with two series that she created, both set in Victorian England, in which she highlighted the social ills of the time, especially the unfairness of the class system. Her female characters of all ages tended to be strong, inventive, courageous, and kind. Because she wrote series of stories around the same people, the development of those characters and their relationships with each other added an intriguing dimension to her plots. She also wrote a series of Christmas mysteries and a series set in World War I. In later years, she began a series featuring the son of a couple from an earlier series, The good heart and bravery of her characters always kept me engaged. Responsibility and accountability are major themes in her series starring William Monk. As a teenager named Juliet Hume, Anne Perry helped her teenage friend kill the friend's mother. She later said that the five years she spent in prison as a juvenile offender, were the best things that ever happened to her, giving her time to comfort, to confront, and acknowledge her actions. In talking about the character of Monk, she has said, we are in so many ways the sum of who we have been. I am glad that there
2: was a second chance in the story of her life. we remember Bob Barker.
6: <clears throat> Robert William Barker was born in 1923 in Darrington, Washington. He was one eighth Sioux and grew up on the Rosebud Indian Reservation in Mission, South Dakota. He later moved to Springfield, Missouri, where he attended high school and met his future wife. He graduated from Drury College, which also happens to be my husband, Adam's alma mater, with a degree in economics. After years of hosting the Bob Barker radio show, his first foray into television was hosting the TV game show Truth or Consequences from 1956 to 1975. He began hosting The Price is Right in 1972 and continued to do so until he retired from the show in 2007 at the age of 83. I have fond memories of Barker's enigmatic smile and warm, friendly spirit from watching The Price is Right as a kid, but the thing about him that really made an impression on me was his commitment to animal rights, a cause that I also care deeply about. Most of us remember his signature sign-off at the end of every episode. This is Bob Barker reminding you to help control the pet population, have your pets spayed or neutered. This seemingly small act brought much needed attention to a huge problem. He was also a vegetarian, gave millions of dollars to animal rights-related causes, started a foundation devoted to animal rights, and stood by his convictions concerning animals, even when he incurred financial losses by doing so. Barker died at his home in Los Angeles on August 26, 2023, at the age of 99, after battling Alzheimer's disease for many years. May his endless devotion to a cause he cared about serve as an inspiration to us all as we strive to make the world a better place.
0: This was written by Sandra Bolte, who could be with us today. We remember Diane Feinstein. Dianne Feinstein was serving on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors' City Council when her fellow supervisor Harvey Milk and the mayor, George Moscone, were assassinated. Diane would tell of finding Harvey's body, that as she, as she felt for a pulse, her finger slipped into a bullet hole. The huge gay population was still basking in the glory of an out gay man being elected when they were devastated by the homophobia and gun violence which ended all that. Diane Feinstein was the one to speak to the distraught gay crowd with calmness and compassion. She not only recognized and soothed the gay people in San Francisco, she unknowingly was speaking to scared gay people all over this country, including me. For the first time, I felt legitimized as a gay person tucked in the hills of Brown County, Indiana. She was soon elected mayor of San Francisco during its most tumultuous time. She was always willing and courageous to speak up against the angry mob of Americans who hate and bully. This trailblazer and problem solver served in the U.S. Senate for 31 years, never backing down from her moral convictions, even when criticized by Democrats who thought she she didn't go far enough. She led and passed legislation to ban assault weapons in 1994, increased fuel efficiency of cars, legalized gay marriage, ensured gay rights, preserved the Mojave Desert, Lake Tahoe, and the California forests. She was a tireless advocate and fierce debater for common sense gun laws and ending sex trafficking, fighting AIDS, banning harmful chemicals and personal care products, toys and food, fighting violence against women, breast cancer research, and reproductive rights. Wildflower drought, water infrastructure, narcotics control, stopping CIA CIA use of torture, protecting seaports from organized crime were some more of her passions. She has a long list of firsts and lists as long as my arm of awards for public service. Just hours before she died, she went to the Senate and voted against the government shutdown. Diane moved mountains, shattered glass ceilings, positively impacted millions of lives and did her job every day.
2: Poem.
1: Another day filled with sleeves of light by Heather Swan. And I carry ripened plums waiting to find the one who is interested in tasting. How can we ever be known? Today the lily sends up a fifth white-tipped tendril, the promise of another flower opening. And I think this must mean this plant is happy here in this house by this window. Is this the right deduction? The taller plant leans and leans toward the light, I turn it away and soon its big hands are reaching again toward what nourishes it, but that which it can never touch. Couldn't the yellowing leaves of the maple and their falling also be a sign of joy? Another kind of leaning into to fall into another? a kind of trust I cannot
2: imagine. You know why
1: we do the eulogies? We do the eulogies because it's easier to practice eulogizing people who are just a little bit further removed from our close-knit circle. I'm guessing Tina didn't make it to the wedding, to some other things. So we eulogize every year, famous or notable people, perhaps notable only to the one who eulogizes them, as a way to practice thinking about the eulogy one would give to a closer loved one, let's say. And in a minute or a minute and a half or two minutes, it's a lot to do. It's a lot to do, but what the worship associates, Sunday service team associates do every year are go from their heart into a place where they can acknowledge someone who has died and to say, here's something important you should know about this person. And hopefully you learn something. And then what we do is we, we, we go broad and we go specific. Sometimes the broad is really hard to wrap our heads around, the millions and millions and millions of people who die every year from violent uh, deaths to very natural causes, young people, people of great age. We acknowledge those people in a way to know that we too are connected to all of them, just as the famous people are connected with all of us down here in the in the you know kind of the non-famous world we too die we too pass away and so we acknowledge that larger piece of all souls past and present and we also recognize that there's people in our lives and earlier we had people bring up pictures and i hope this is a reminder of next year to bring your picture if you wish and we do that as a way to say we're sitting next to people who have loved someone we've sit next to someone who have loved someone who has died and so we remember them as well and we also acknowledge people who have died within the congregation members of the congregation itself every year of a congregation this size typically at least one person is memorialized and this past year, we've had three people who have um, who have died that we will remember in a moment. And I think what we do this service each and every year is because we need to acknowledge the elephant in the room at this time of year. This time of year, acknowledging the elephant in the room, whether it's anticipating going to uh, a first Thanksgiving without a a parent or without a child, acknowledging the elephant in the room, having inevitable political or religious conversations around conflicts um, or around legislation, acknowledging that which is in the room isn't just a a nice um, metaphor the elephant in the room it's also a way for us to begin exploring relationship with those who have died the notion of ghosts is not a notion of casper and the friendly ghost or a haunting ghost or any specific notion of ghost it's more of just an acknowledgement that something is in the room even if it's the room of your own head and heart. When we begin to acknowledge that perhaps the elephant in the room is a ghost, whether of a person or of um, a situation, a work environment, something that still uh, brings you some type of heightened emotion, we are able to acknowledge it, invite it in, get a slightly bigger chair for it, and be in a healthier relationship over time. Not every elephant in the room is easy to approach, not every elephant is perhaps ever approached, but when we acknowledge it, we're able to heal a little bit more because we're no longer um, living in avoidance. So that's something I hope we practice here at UUCCI. So one of the things we're gonna do to, uh, in, shortly is to remember each of the three people who have died in this past year. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna um, do something we've done in years past where I'll hold my hand out. And as my hand passes you, you'll have an opportunity if you knew this person or, um, or not to um, lift up some kind of word or feeling or thought, and um, it'll be a little cacophoning, uh, but it's a way to bring into the room the spirit, the elephant, the ghost, the blessing, the angel, the memory of the, of the one who has died. So today we're gonna begin with Anne Heron. So as my hand passes you, feel free to lift a word or a adjective or something. mm mm-hmm. playful. Kind and loving. loving. Thank you. We hold those feelings and we acknowledge those unsaid and those that remain in our hearts as we begin to now remember Tom Hartman. And so same thing. Hold those memories of Tom here today and we remember one more who have passed away this last year since our last service Pam Alms So we're going to go one more time through. And this last time, which I meant to do earlier, and I apologize, is to lift up any name of anyone that's on your heart today to get it out into the room. And so as I go past, any, any number of names that you can get out, um, those are the ones that will add into this space today. So we honor and hold all of those names, and this, this candle here is for all those souls, named and unnamed. An opportunity after the service to come up is yours. Perhaps earlier it was not an easy time to come up, and that's okay. But we acknowledge that all the ways that we come into this world is kind of the same, of the same making and the same meaning. And how we live our lives can be so disparate across culture, and how we die can be so, so different, and how that happens. But we honor this day as a way to acknowledge all those memories, all those folks we cannot name, all those young people. The innocent life lives that are lost here and around the world we lift all those up because we acknowledge the elephant in the room is better named than unnamed, better acknowledged than to pretend it isn't there. Because when you suppress, when you push down, it only gets bigger, and perhaps what could be a friend. A comfort in time becomes more monstrous, becomes more difficult, because we dare not speak its name. But I believe here in this place, we have the ability to hold and be held in a community of care, acknowledging that we too live and die, thankfully, here in community.
2: May it be so. And amen.